0: Welcome to episode 90 of the Film Yak Podcast. I'm John. I'm Kevin. I'm JR. And today, uh, we're at Site B, (laughs) my house, for the first time ever, to record uh, the 90th episode. Uh, uh, um, uh, I guess sort of like a milestone before the milestone, eh? True. True. Episode 100 is going to be the big one, I think. But Mm. this is uh, episode 90. We're reviewing Kevin's pick, the Joel Schumacher thriller Supernatural thriller maybe. Uh, flatliners. That might be a little bit of a spoiler actually. I'm not sure if you're supposed to know that it's supernatural. Yeah, I don't know. Going into I didn't I didn't know it was, for instance. But um anyways, we're gonna be talking about that movie as well as uh, one or two things that we watched, and then you know every Joel Schumacher film ever made that mm. Jr. for some reason forced himself to sit through.
1: Yeah, Look, I didn't. I didn't watch Flawless or Trespass or Bad Company, but I'll, I'll get to those.
0: I understand Flawless isn't bad, actually. Mm. I Haven't seen it, but yeah. just ran out of time. Philip Seymour Hoffman, so you know you got to. Oh, nice. Um. Yeah, so uh, I'm gonna dispense with the pleasantries because we're on a time crunch here. Mm-hmm. So let's just get right into it. You know, uh, what did we watch?
1: <laughs> let's uh, let's talk Batman. Let's uh, let's do it, you know, motherfucker. Let's, let's hash this out. I'm gonna go. That's right. Look, let me let me monologue through my notes about all four Batmans. And then I want you to tell me why I'm wrong, and Kevin can also tell me why I'm wrong about Batman. Sure that sounds good. All right. So first thing, I don't fucking understand this film series at all. I don't know why it <laughs> exists. I don't know why it was made the way that it that these movies were made. Um, none of them like resemble in any way the entertaining you know quote entertaining popcorn blockbusters that you know we expect from this kind of big budget tentpole shit. Uh, and it's hilarious to think that Nolan's Batman movies get called dark when, uh, they're, they're kind of just like misguidedly rooted in a sort of like greedy realism that Nolan constantly betrays. Anyway, uh, the Burton shit is dark. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're like, they're fucking gross. They're Gothic. They're filmed almost exclusively at night or on a dark soundstage. I don't know. And, uh, again, don't really get them. First one's just boring. It's just like a dud of a narrative populated by uh, a really shitty big performance from Nicholson and a couple of uh, boring performances from Kim Basinger, who I, I'm not really familiar with her stuff. It's just like she's she's, she's a, the
2: worst. She's the worst.
1: She's like a, a tough photojournalist who will throw herself <laughs> into the action, right. but also she just like, screams a lot, just constantly mm. screaming every time she gets uh, put in a damsel in distress situation, mm. which... Just seems to be constantly. I don't know. It's dumb, and and uh, Keaton set the template for just uh, the actor playing Batman being awful. It's a, <laughs> uh, it's a like a low key, underplayed performance in a movie that doesn't demand that or call for that. And you know, I'm sure we're going to make fun of Kilmer in a minute. And it's almost like he was instructed to keep some sort of performance continuity, even though Batman Forever is otherwise totally embracing camp. Like it's it makes no sense. Kilmer Kilmer's a god awful Batman. Keaton's a god awful Batman. uh, Who gives a shit about George Clooney?
0: But um. Okay. Well, hang on. Okay, so I'm gonna have to stop you right there, Jr. (laughs) (laughs) And only only because I'm not a. I'm sorry. I'm eating. I I, I shouldn't be. But we're in a time country. It it happens. Um, I mean, it's
1: serious. You don't eat during Batman.
0: Right. (laughs) I don't want to eat on the podcast. I don't want to gross people out. I I don't like to hear people chewing and shit. But anyways. Uh, the only thing I take issue with is that, obviously, for me, I mean, I know that de- by default, you've said uh, recently that Batman Returns is your favorite Batman film.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's that one. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> right.
0: But um, for me, it's like Batman Returns is, it, I agree. It's like, for me, it's the only good Batman film, but it's actually really good. Like, I think it's really well done. And what you were saying about uh, things being dark. This is not a... Well, anyways. What are you saying about things being dark? Batman kills people in Batman Returns. Like, he blows people up and he throws them off buildings and shit. Like, yeah. He's, yeah, he torches you know,
2: a guy with the chip uh, the right. thing that comes out of the Batmobile. He's a
0: badass. He kills
1: people in the first one, too.
0: Well, but the first one is just absolute trash. I mean, I can't even... <laughs> I, I yeah, literally... Yeah. I just watched it a month ago. I don't even remember anything about it. It's just, it's it's the worst. But... um, uh, I was going to say about Keaton's performance. I think his performance in the second one is like way better than his performance in the first one because he's like less comedic and he's, I I think the stoicism thing works uh, in the second film. And I agree with you that Kilmer seems to be trying to do like a Keaton impression in the third one. And it's embarrassing, uh, but it's, it's the least of my issues with the third one (laughs) is Kilmer.
1: All right. Well, fine. And I, you know, yeah, so I agree. Batman Returns, best of the series, and uh, I think it is definitely the best just narrative of all the all four movies. And I actually think Michelle Pfeiffer, the Catwoman stuff, is is really good, and you know does create some chemistry with Michael Keaton, which is nice. Um, I don't think it's as I don't think I think it's as good as you do. Because uh, I, you I you gave know, it three. I, I gave it four. Yeah. The uh a lot of the sub with Penguin ends up just kind of feeling ridiculous. Mm. And like it's 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 a Batman villain movie. I know it's should be ridiculous. I, I think it's more like the 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 mayoral subplot. I was confused <laughs> why that was the mm. the thing they went with for for the plot there. But um really liked Michelle Pfeiffer. And it just looks better than uh, than batman you know it keeps it's so much better shot keeps all the gothic shit without feeling so obsessed with uh the design but
0: i would actually argue that batman the first batman feels like it's taking place in like new york city Mm. and the second batman feels like it's taking place in a fantasy gotham like this this the city that doesn't really exist you know that's this comic Mm. book version of which I really I like. Know. I think it really. I mean, I don't know. It feels like they're, sh- and it does feel like they're shooting on sound stages for most of it. Mm-hmm. But I don't have an issue with that. I mean, I feel like that's um, that's you know, it serves the film. It serves the narrative.
1: Yeah. Well, um, you know, so I guess the the contentious part of this is uh, you know, Batman Forever, which I You love. No, no, don't <laughs> I don't love. <laughs> I, I like it less than batman returns but i i like i don't understand why people signed off on joe schumacher taking it in the direction he did but in batman forever where he just like makes the horny fetishism of it all just like an explicit part of the text and makes nicole kidman just badly want to fuck batman in his black yeah. rubber gym yeah yeah and uh <laughs> And, and then, you know, you, you get, like, two actors who can go big to play the villains, and they go really big, and, you know, there, there are giveaways in the dialogue that they are trying to be silly, you know, like Chris O'Donnell, or Connell, O'Donnell? <laughs> O'Donnell, yeah. Don, okay. Yeah. Uh, like, he even, like, says, like, holy... Holy, holy rusted metal Batman. Batman. Or, yeah. And, you know, it's just like, <clears throat> that's a dumb line, but it is kind of cluing into how they... writing this movie and it it makes Mm. no sense that they uh they went super campy uh kind of courting i think a younger audience that's my guess i love this bat this movie when i was seven me too me too uh but like all the dialogue and visuals are really fucking weird and uh Mm. they get even weirder in batman and robin which is this it's the same fucking exact movie with the same template and the same like it is the same exact narrative with two different villains and it adds you know batgirl to to the mix which was just a mistake
0: three villains um, that
1: movie's not nearly as bad as the internet says it is but it's not good
2: i mean one of the things that i noticed a whole lot more having watched all four of them in like you know succession was like elliot goldenthal's scores for forever and batman and robin like there's so it his scores suck and yes. there's so much in there that there's, like... So his
0: scores for those films or his scores in general? Because I like some of his scores in other films.
2: For these films, they're oh, yeah, I, just, I just read these films. Yeah, Forever um,
0: is... The score in Forever is embarrassing.
2: Yeah. Plus, like... Especially in Forever, like, you get this, like, weird, like... It's this throwback to, like, 30s horror scores with, like, this dark choral, mute choral and organ music. And, like, it's this... like all of a sudden we're smack dab in a horror film with the score but it's jim carrey doing his (laughs) which and and like (laughs) it's great stuff i mean i just thought it was incredibly stupid how like like the the scene the scene where like uh like ed begley jr has just uh been you know quote-unquote committed suicide as the riddler tries to frame it and then like you know I found this in my... Cu- he pulls up a letter. I found this in my cubicle. You'll find it matches his handwriting and his sentence structure. It's like... Isn't that a fucking clue to, like, literally any cop that well, something's that's a, not I mean, right?
0: But, that, yeah. I mean... <laughs> that's a comedy beat, though.
2: But, yeah, and... I don't know. Like, there's just like nothing. I don't think there. I don't think I laughed the entire time. I uh, entire time I watched it. You lead
0: a joyless, humorous, humorless existence, my friend.
1: Apparently, I laughed. Uh, <laughs> I, I
0: laughed. I laughed a lot.
1: Okay i will say this john, john sent me a fucking uh like he tagged me on instagram with some, <laughs> with some shit and i laughed at the instagram but you know it's, it's yeah, batman so I. doing the, the thumbs up while to, like leaning 90 to 29 degrees <laughs> in his plane He can't, so.
0: can't turn his head yeah yeah
1: but um i funny. laughed just at like, that moment in the movie too
0: yeah
2: and you, you it's like like that scene in uh batman and robin where like they're just you know Jizz in their pants as the uh, new Batmobile comes up out of the ground. Clooney has to turn his entire body, but O'Donnell can just turn his
1: head. Yeah, um, you know, o- O'Donnell—he's so he's such a naturalistic performer. Oh, you know, yeah. just a lot of natural yeah. talent. There. Oh yeah, oh yeah.
0: What's incredible <laughs> is how they didn't the the whole turning of the head thing. They literally didn't get that fixed until the Dark Knight, so the second film in the <laughs> reboot.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? You know, it's a, it's a really tough, uh, you know, architectural suit
0: problem, I guess. It's just, it seems absolutely retarded. It's just like, how do you not see that that's an issue? <laughs> Especially when you're Nolan and you're trying to root it in reality. It's like, obviously, you're not going to go fight crime. You can't fucking turn your head around and look behind you. I mean, I, I don't For know. real. That's getting into Nolan. I fucking hate Nolan. But the, um, <clears throat> I was going to say about, about, I mean, about the humor. I, I find, okay, Jim Carrey... Uh, isn't doing a great job of acting or anything in the film, obviously. But his char- its not his fault. His character is like absolutely rit- ridiculous, right?
2: Yeah, that was why I couldn't necessarily take anything away from Kilmer and Clooney. It's because, like, okay, maybe their performances aren't great, but at the same time, like, how do you judge their performances in something that is just overall so shitty, like? What what are they actively doing to contribute to the shittiness? And well, I didn't it, I didn't think yeah. that I didn't think that either of them were actively doing things to to make the movies more shitty.
0: I mean, I agree, I, except for what we said earlier about Val Kilmer. Essentially, like he he, he definitely hey, yeah. seems like he's basing his performance on on Keaton's I mean, performance. If
1: they had if they had, had Kilmer go like full cartoon, the way everyone else has gone full cartoon, at least it would be coherent. Mm. Well, I think like
2: I don't know. I've heard so many different things over the years. Like Patton Oswalt had a thing where, like, apparently Mattel or whoever was making the toys was like, "Here, here are the toys that we're making. Make the movie around these." And you know, as we just <laughs> as we just saw like not that long ago with this new darker opening that John watched for Batman Forever, it's like obviously oh, they were going for something a little more in line with Burton. And he still has a producing credit on Forever. I mean, honest. Oh,
0: okay. So the, the story behind that is that Burton was – like, they offered it to Burton to do the third one. Mm-hmm. and uh, But they wanted it to be lighter because – and it's because mm. of the toys specifically. Because right. the second the second film has a toy line, but the, the figures don't look like the characters in the film, obviously, because mm. nobody would buy a penguin figure. Like, a child's not going to buy a penguin figure. It's terrifying. Yeah, because yeah, – and that so was they enough. wanted it to be like more fa- more family friendly, I guess, mm-hmm. or more more yeah. kid friendly. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, they they got Schumacher, but but Burton ret- probably it's probably like a, a, a union thing that he retained an executive producer credit. I'm sure he had literally oh, literally man. nothing to do with it,
2: right? Yeah. <laughs> I was just I just looked at the uh, the video that I guess Jr. sent it to both of us with the uh, you know what your favorite director says about you. Oh, yeah. and like the one with, with Burton it was like if you're. If his favorite uh film of yours is Nightmare Before Christmas, I have some bad news for you. Yeah. <laughs> it's a classic. Oh, um, totally.
0: I was gonna say though that Jim Carrey's performance, while it's not it's not great, it's I find it as funny. I I laughed the only things I laughed at were Jim Carrey's performance. Like, especially his lines before he becomes the Riddler. Like all the stuff oh, yeah. when he's working at Wayne Enterprises and uh when he kills uh the guy Ed Bailey Jr. Yeah, is it yeah. Ed Bailey Jr.? It's Ed Bailey Jr. I next I didn't yeah. even recognize him, but um,
2: Letterbox says he's uncredited.
0: Okay, well when when he kills like that, that whole scene, I found hysterical. I thought he was like it was very funny, and I mean it was like I was watching. I was like, this is one of the worst movies I've seen in recent memory, but <laughs> this is funny. Like this part is funny, which is accounts for the half star for mm-hmm. me. I like I the half star is all Jim Carrey and it's not his entire performance, just those funny moments at the beginning. Uh, and I mean, there's a couple of things at the end where I, that I don't mind where he's like, uh, the whole, like when he like does the game show thing, he's like, let's, let's, let's meet our contestants. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. Like Just the way he delivers some of those lines yeah, is pretty yeah, perfect. Yeah. Uh, that was,
1: I think uh Schumacher's got like a, he's got like a set piece problem, like in both forever and, um, in Batman and Robin, I just, I, I couldn't remember the climax like five minutes after it happened. It was just like,
0: I okay, well, think for when it just
1: goes to like the straight, you know, thrilling action stuff. So let's, not let's thrilling. talk
0: about the climax of Batman forever because I've mm. seen Batman forever a thousand times. I mean, I watched it all the time when I was a kid mm. and, uh, I literally have never noticed the fact that he is wearing this, uh, so the prototype sonar batsuit, the only batsuit to survive the, uh, demolition of the bat cave and it's a prototype and he's never tested it out before mm. and when he does test it out he i don't i don't understand what it's doing for him like he he does the riddle about being blind as a bat and he goes exactly and then he presses the button <laughs> and the the thing comes over his eye and he like has a batarang that like unfolds and he throws it at the like i don't understand why he what is he doing what does he need to be I, able to throw that at the at the thing and make it explode. Yeah, it's not I like the place there just went dark, like a, and he yeah. needs to be able to see. I, that would make that would make sense. It's like yeah. it's like if he if, is that it though. I mean, is it that he's gonna throw it at that and he's expecting it to get dark?
2: <laughs> I guess because you know because like Alfred says, it's like sonar modification. So your guess, I'm thinking, you know, I was very bat confused sonar. this time
0: watching. I was just like, how, what? I don't understand what the fuck the, yeah. the purpose of that is. And I've seen this a million times. I never thought about it, but.
1: Mm. Oh. It's uh that was you know that was like an extra suit for the uh, the toy line I guess
0: yeah exa- yes. Probably, but, exactly exactly yeah. exactly just like uh but but I mean see another way in which Nolan uh, abandons his realism he does the same thing in the Dark Knight he has him have a sonar suit yeah. <laughs> you know so except he actually uses it right
1: well that's because you know Nolan built his Batman's on a, a philosophy he didn't actually give a shit about it <laughs> was I don't know just to lend credibility to his movies. Whatever.
0: Well, he just he, he um, just aped Michael Mann throughout the entire franchise, and then uh, yeah, you know. and then and then he does a he does a uh, interview with Mann when Heat oh yeah, yeah when the Heat 4K comes out to justify it all. Right, I'm a big fan. <laughs> I love Michael Mann. I love Heat.
2: You know, it's a funny yeah, it's, thing. You know. I, I I forgot to mention it last time, but like I saw a thing about Tennet where like uh, Nolan was talking specifically about the Spy Who Loved Me, the Bond movie, mm. and I remember and I remembered seeing that like jr gave that movie I want would you give it jr like a two or like some like like I don't remember some like seriously low rating and it's like oh well now it all makes sense if the spy who loved me was the one that he's going off of for for inspiration for tenet then it's like okay well you know I mean he, tenet
0: plays like a bond film regard i uh, play right, right. ten if it if it starred Daniel Craig it would be I mean it could easily slip into Hmm. Being Bond twenty six or whatever is coming out, you know, right,
1: right, yeah. Uh, should we should we move on? Is that enough, Batman?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, I yeah, well, actually, <laughs> hang on, because I I, cause I, uh, <laughs> I, mean, I did I actually took notes when I watched Batman Forever for some reason. Mm. I think it was just so ridiculous I had to take some notes. <laughs> give me, just give me, let me let me run through these real quick. So. Oh, we, didn't, we talked about Tommy Lee Jones. So, like, Tommy Lee oh. Jones in this film uh, is essentially, like, doing a Cesar Romero impression.
1: Yeah. right? From,
0: like, the... I mean, like, and I... This is what I don't understand is, like, why he's this cackling Joker-esque character when he's... he's That's not him. You know what I mean? He's, two, he's a totally separate character. It just doesn't make any sense.
2: Yeah, especially when, like, Jack Nicholson apparently was, like, friends with Cesar Romero and, like, talked to him before he did... Batman and like I actually may sound weird but I actually liked uh, Nicholson's performance as the Joker because I thought he was just you know a gangster with a you know some genuinely funny line that does sound weird
0: yeah I was gonna say also that Tommy Lee Jones he missed his chance to play Shemp Howard in the Stooges biopic he looks just like Shemp Howard in this movie you
2: know you're right (laughs)
0: <laughs> and uh i was gonna, i wrote that bruce wayne adopts a 25 year old man oh, because yeah, yeah. chris o'donnell is like really old but he's like being adopted for some reason right love the flaming Lips song it's the first time i ever heard that song really? uh when he's in the uh yeah bad days oh yeah really great song
2: oh um oh that brings me to a, a real quick thing about batman forever i was like as i was watching i was like okay this is this is a pretty shitty movie and then i was like like, going into the credits, I was like, okay, at least I get to hear some decent music now, because I was expecting Kiss from a Rose, which I think you is... You love. Well, I, th- I don't love it, but I think it's a decent song. Yeah, I think right, seals. Right. I it's think right. Seal's a good singer. But then, of course, no, they got to kick me in the nuts with a fucking U2 song. Oh,
0: yeah. And I fucking hate U2. Yeah, they're the worst. Hang on. So, listen. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not going to read all these notes, but I, I have so many notes. <laughs> I, I wish I had pulled these out earlier. Uh So, the Batmobile at one point, it's like to escape an explosion, it drives up the side of a building. How how does it get down? Like, what is it? Like, it drives up to the roof. You're overthinking it, John. I know, right?
1: (laughs) Well, you remember
2: when Nicole Kidman turns on the thing and, like, he's on street level and then he's, like, 700 feet in the air?
0: Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, so. Oh, I was also saying the intruder alert in the bat cave seems a little uh wrong like when it goes off everything <laughs> appears like you just like yeah, showcase yeah. the entire bat cave <laughs> right. it makes no sense at all it seems everything would go uh you know dark robin uh, gets into a fight with the ultimate warrior gang they all look like the ultimate warrior <laughs> yeah uh i said nicole kimmon is the worst in this It's probably her worst performance i've ever seen from her but she is like really crazy hot in it so and that's, that's saying
2: works. something because like john is a <laughs> like I legitimate love kidman. Le- nicole kidman fan oh, I love so her. like if he's if he's saying that she's bad i think she's, she's i think
0: she's still great even now i think she's still good looking even now oh, yeah. oh and also love the last I also so, love nicole. yeah so the last thing is um i was just gonna comment on the best writing in the film <laughs> which is and i'm not this is not sarcastic actually this oh. is i sincerely think this writing is pretty solid it's when uh so dick grayson gets to the wayne manor and he doesn't want to stay Mm. And he tells him and uh, Val Kilmer trying to figure out a way to get him to stay. And he says, Why don't you come gas your uh, gas, your motorcycle up, you know, it's going to be a while before you get to the next station. And he agrees begrudgingly. And then they go in there and that whole scene where he shows him all the different motorcycles he has. And then the comedic beat of. uh like, and he says, you know, if somebody were to take care of him, like, they could they could keep one as a fee. And you can tell, you know, obviously Dick Grayson loves that. He wants to do that. Mm. And then the comedic beat of uh, of Alfred coming in with the burger and everything. And oh, he's yeah, like, I yeah. guess I'll just throw this out. <laughs>
2: like, perhaps uh, I, the dogs are hungry. Yeah,
0: I liked, I liked all that. I thought that scene was actually yeah. really well done. But uh, I don't know. It's so the rest weird of these how, movie's like, a piece they're, they're yeah. like,
2: genuine, like, little good things throughout these movies. But, like, overall, like, they, they all just get... Taken back by terrible things.
0: Even a broken clock is right twice a day. True. True. Anyways, we can move on now, Jr. Sorry about that, bud.
1: No, no. I, and I, can I can I say one more thing? Of course. I totally had misremembered. I thought Nicole Kidman was in the first one.
0: Oh no! <laughs> so when, oh.
1: when it was uh discount Nicole saw Kidman saw was in the
0: first one. Yeah, was like, exactly. happening? Yeah. yeah, The the uh, the the pale comparison of Kim Basinger. She's mm. she's just atrocious. Yeah. She really is terrible. But yeah, yeah um, I hate her. Yeah,
1: is she is she terrible at everything? I don't like. I don't remember L A <laughs> Confidential. LA she's confidential. so bad in oh, L A Confidential. And yeah. She won the
0: Oscar. Like it's it's it, how really? it's baffling. Like right. she's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, I mean I I, mean, I honestly I don't know that I've seen her in much else. I've seen her in those two and then like uh the getaway which was a horrible remake of the Peck and Paw film. Which I don't know that I blame her. She's not the worst performance in it, but she's not good in it.
1: She's she's a Bond girl, right? There's is she? Some Bond movie she's in.
0: Uh, well,
2: that depends. I believe it. If you it depends if you count uh, Never Say Never Again
0: because oh. some people oh, don't. Okay, apparently, right. well, it's a movie about James so. Bond, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a Bond movie, but it wasn't produced by uh, the Broccoli franchise, right? So, yeah, it, was, so it didn't it make them when, money, uh, so it's yeah. not a real Bond. came back. Yeah. Rowan Atkinson is in it Oh, no shit. Yeah. But it's basically just a remake of Thunderball. So I don't know why Sean Connery's like 65 in it, isn't he? (laughs) Not quite. Pretty old. I think it was either right before or right after he did Name of the Rose. So he's gray anyway. He's getting up there, yeah. But apparently he was already balding in like Thunderball. Like he's wearing a toupee.
0: All right, JR, what you got, bud?
2: I'm I'm going again.
0: Yeah, why not? Do you got something?
2: I watched uh Popeye and Sinbad. I thought that was actually really fucking
0: yeah, great. Yeah, it's pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah. A little throwback to five episodes ago. That's all right. <laughs>
2: just... As we are wont to do on film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Of, of course.
0: I mean I watched the, the first two Batman films two episodes ago, I think, so
2: Oh right, right, right. Oh well, yeah, I guess I can I can
0: talk about um something. Here, just give me a second. Jesus fucking Christ. He's throwing me all I mean, out I, can, of whack I can
1: yell about the devil all the time if you want.
0: Yeah, yell about the devil all the time. I'll go next. All right. Mm.
1: So, the devil all the time was released on Netflix um, you know, a week ago or so uh, from when we were recording. And, uh, you know, oh boy. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's it's bad. Everyone should avoid it. And, uh, you know, it's from fantastic director Antonio Campos. That is not sarcastic. No, I he's good. really like him. And he goes just full prestige nihilism with a you know ensemble cast of british people swedish people and australians that all just try out their most ridiculous country accents and um (laughs) it's uh yeah i don't know it's great actors giving garbage performances and i know that some people are enjoying the pattinson experience in this movie but i was not there for it at all like he he was like i have to do an Accent that no one's ever heard before because, like, he just he has he had to like make his stamp on the movie or something, and it's uh, it was a mistake. And uh, the story it, it's it's the you know, set in like this poor town in Ohio near the West Virginia border, so we kind of go back and forth between these two states, and it's episodic in structure, follows this one family. And each episode is, uh, is punctuated with just like a deeply violent and ironic fate of death for some character. People just keep dying because that's what they want.
0: Life is cheap um, in the South, man.
1: In this, in, in Ohio, the South.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, the South to yeah. much of the world, episode they would think. And mm-hmm. I, don't,
1: you know, whoever I know Campos and his brother wrote this adaptation, but maybe this is part of the novel that it's based on as well. I don't know, but it seems like they thought that like repeating the the early death trick of Psycho, like killing a famous uh, actor or actress really quickly. Uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Psycho, I'm sorry. Um, th- they thought like doing that 15 times would make just for of like, <laughs> your seat shit. And uh, this is just an awful idea. Um, instead, like those gory deaths become routine, and the only fun to be had in this 140-minute slog is trying to guess how the next character is going to die. Uh, but that's not very fun either because the plot is so... Boringly predictable, and uh, it's like, oh, a religious teenager likes the new hot preacher. I wonder where this is going. Our main character is going to hitch out of town, and we've been following a hitchhiker murdering couple on the loose for two decades. Wonder what's going to happen. Um, it's poor people do the darndest things, and it's fucking worse. It's the dumbest shit. It's one of the worst movies I've seen this year. It's trying to say something about the sad state of the human condition, and it's doing it uh, poorly. So yeah, that's the devil all the time.
0: Have you heard about Campos's next uh film that he's working on?
1: No, is it a bummer?
0: No, it's well, I mean, okay, it's not I'm like cautiously optimistic. He's making a fictional take on the staircase, starring Harrison Ford.
1: Hmm. Well that could be cool.
0: Yeah, I mean like I was thinking, I was like, you know, that's that could be good. I mean the staircase to me is like top tier true crime stuff so i i don't know how much you're going to get dramatizing it because there's so much of it already but uh i don't know i'm i'm, I'm curious i don't know. harrison ford is he seems like a good choice but he's i don't know his acting yeah, I mean, I talent like, is dubious
1: i like after school and simon killer enough that i'm not i'm not just out on campus because of this i just really don't know what they were thinking with
0: this right well, uh, I okay. So this is a kind of a weird way I got to this, but I rewatched uh, Rules of Attraction, which is in my top ten of all time, as you both well know. And uh, the reason I rewatched it, I got the itch because I was uh, reading about War Paint, the band War Paint, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. the all-female rock group, and uh, which I been listening to since they came out with their first album I, I like Warpaint I don't their their more recent stuff is getting too dancey for me I'm not into it but their first album is is pretty incredible in my opinion and uh I'm, I don't know if, how much people know about them but Shannon Sossaman from the Rules of Attraction was in in the original group before they recorded their first album and uh what I didn't realize was that uh the girl who has a crush on James Vanderbeek in the film She's oh, the-, the guitarist for the band. Really? Yeah. Like, still. I no idea. I huh. didn't know either. And I was like, that's crazy. So I had to rewatch it just to... I got the... I mean, that's what turned me on and got me the itch to... I got to check this thing out again. And, you know, you got to watch it every few years to make sure it's still your, you know, number four film of all time or wherever the fuck it is on my list. And uh, it, it, it holds up. It's just brilliant. I love every fucking second... Eric Stoltz in this thing is just amazing. He's the uh professor, like the kind of lurid uh professor who's seducing all of the students. He's like barely in it. He's only in like three scenes. But he's but he's really he's just a lot of fun in it. He plays this skeezy scumbag really well. And uh Vanderbeek just really missed his opportunity to I think he got, you know, unfairly kind of typecast and maligned for Dawson's Creek and maybe varsity blues and some of these other kind of yeah cutesy um high schooler kind of shit and i mean he really shows his range in this thing i think he's great and uh it's just a really well made uh film and i miss roger avery and i i wish he would i wish he didn't have to resort to making you know five million dollar uh french canadian fucking (laughs) crime thrillers (laughs) with cg blood wish he could make something interesting again it's a bummer it is it's a huge bummer but uh that's it that's it for me. that's all I watch <laughs> well I watched the, that wow. short film uh, Wind that won some prize at some festival back in the nineties. It's on movie, but it's I mean it was like three minutes long so that oh. <laughs> you know, was good uh, know. all right I watched and flatliners
1: I, <laughs> we're not we're not there yet I know oh my god <laughs> it's like it's almost like you guys didn't stay home the past two weeks i know right <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Movies. i was thinking about that actually when with like the right after we recorded i saw that you like it's like two or three days and you log like 12 or 13 and i was like what the fuck is this guy like where is he finding time to I do know, this and i was I like know. oh yeah that's right he's staying home i forgot
1: right <laughs> yeah but you know that'll that's all drying up go back to work on monday which i cannot wait to do uh, so you guys are all work. good yeah yeah Okay, great, great. We're, we're all good. Yeah. Um, so I'll do uh, – let me do a couple – I'll do a couple other new releases quickly. Um, I watched Tenet. I didn't like it. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, and I also watched – I'm thinking of ending things like the same day or the day after that I watched Tenet. And mm. uh, that just makes Tenet even worse because yeah. this is also like a movie where you don't really know what's going on, even know, again – As as John said last time, you do know what's going on in Tenet if you think about it. It's just delivered to you in a convoluted and hard to hear way. Um, But yeah, I mean, the new Charlie Kaufman movie is definitely like the kind of existential, you know, weirdo shit that gets me going. And uh, I loved everyone involved. I thought Jesse Buckley and Jesse Plemons were incredible as the main couple and I definitely think Kaufman was uh, up to some shit with their casting just based on their names and uh, David Thewlis was great and Tony Collette was good there were moments where I thought she was going like a little too big as this uh, mother but the part is not large so it doesn't really detract from anything and uh, you know this is not like a 6 out of 5 or a 5 out of 5 for me because I have just one single large reservation with uh, where the plot goes so I'll wait till uh, Kevin sees it to discuss it, but um, okay, it's also like deeply rooted in in what I really like about Kaufman's work. So it's uh, I'm in I'm in conflict, uh, but I overall love this, and uh, I think it was like the best directed Kaufman movie so oh, far.
0: Yeah, that's easy. Lots
1: yeah. of lots of cool uh, camera shit happening. It's uh so yeah, and then I watched uh, Boy State the Apple plus uh, original right. documentary. Um, Wasn't which... A24?
2: Or are they like oh, collaborating? I don't
1: know. I'm not sure. Could I don't know. They played k-hoots. at Sundance. I right, you know right. that. Oh, for some reason,
2: Definitely I thought for, they
1: were A24. I mean, if a- it was, a- even a- if
0: it was A24, a- a- I could see them selling it to Apple to okay. distribute because mm. nobody's going to go to a theater to see a documentary about politics and kids. Yeah, and...
1: And this this was sold to Apple during quarantine, okay. so that's, that's I don't remember seeing their, like, uh, the A twenty-four thing, but I might have just forgotten that. Mm. But anyway, uh, this is filmed at the 2017 Texas Boy State, which mm-hmm. is something that a lot of states hold. It's a convention for, you know, incoming high school seniors in the late summer. To like, they just, like, play politics for a week. The boys are divided randomly into two groups, federalists and nationalists, uh, who each create party policies from scratch and elect a party chair to preside over their like fake bill-making Senate thing and also compete against each other uh, to elect a mayor. So like the goal, like if you're a nationalist, the goal is at the end to have a nationalist elected as the mayor. Um, and this is like definitely not my shit. Watching 17 year olds play politics is fine, except that teenagers, I- I'm sure some are brilliant, but uh, these teenagers are definitely just like mimicking the shitty politics that have, you know, kind of defined our uh, political media the past several years, and uh, you know, it's like the boys immediately decide that guns and abortion are the most important things; those are the only things that matter in government, right? Yes. And uh, it's Texas, so one group, of course, decides <laughs> they decide the secession is of the utmost importance, and it's like, oh god, it's it. It was like watching adults argue on like c-span or fox news and i did not love that and then there's of course like some dirty uh, social media politicking that uh, spoiler anyone care
0: no i can no. give a fuck
1: it's a documentary so who gives a shit but yeah. uh you know this dirty politicking of course hurts the more progressive mayoral candidate of color how shocking
2: what it's, no uh, <laughs> really
1: yeah um you know i'll say it's like a good doc but it's the kind of thing that just makes me depressed so um
0: mm. yeah
1: that's it that's fun well it's not it <laughs> it's it if you guys are ready to move to uh joel schumacher but
0: no this, kevin you got something to talk about
1: yeah okay go ahead man.
0: i'm,
2: I'm just genuinely wondering like whoever set whoever sets this thing up like yeah like okay you we're gonna divide you into federalists or nationalists <laughs> like it's
1: uh, a little loaded isn't it
2: for sure like you know the uh, this, that's this... that's like setting kids up for failure uh in i mean well i mean depending on your political ideology but jesus well, fucking and, christ
1: but again like they like the kids who are divided into nationalists they're not told what policies to have and to mm. make Right. So like these two groups are independently making policies and a lot of like the nationalists and federalist kids end up like deciding the same shit's important, which is Mm. stupid. But, um, I mean, not, it's not stupid. That's just like these kids are self-governing. Right. So there aren't, and they're not communicating with each other except through like the mayoral, um, campaign. Mm. But, um, yeah, this is like a thing that's been around for like a hundred years, like, uh, I think the most famous graduates of Boy State are um, like Dick Cheney and Bill Clinton. <laughs> and uh, it's, but there are a oh lot of other God. like like CEOs and shit. Just like a lot of a lot of rich people that have done this thing. Mm. And uh, now, war, now war there is also a girl and... state. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, now there is also a girl state. There's not a documentary about that one because it, uh, you know, obviously it doesn't matter as much. It's girl state.
2: Of course, of course. Hmm. Well, uh, just to lighten the mood a little bit, I uh, <laughs> so I watched uh, the Adams Family with uh, Angelica Houston, Raúl Julia, Christopher Lloyd. Raúl Julia, yeah. Um, <laughs> bomberclad Julia, yeah. I you know, and I, I was thinking about this the other day. Like I, I, I genuinely. I genuinely think he was easily, and you guys will probably agree, he he is the only reason you should watch Tequila Sunrise. And he's probably, like, you should probably just YouTube his scenes.
0: He's not enough of a reason to sit through Tequila <laughs> Sunrise. But, yeah, he is good in it. He's
2: but, yeah, fine. Yeah, he's, like him. yeah, he's the only thing worth watching.
0: I've never, I've not, I don't think I've ever watched a movie with Ralph Julia and not thought he was one of the best things about it. So, true. He's great. Huh.
2: Yeah.
1: For, for a very long time, I only knew him as the bad guy in Street Fighter. In Bison. In Bison, yeah. Yeah, that's it. I then he died like right after that. I think. Yeah, it was like his. La- he
0: died yeah, he before was, it came out. I think.
2: Yeah, he was dying while he was making it. Yeah. He had like stomach cancer, some or kind of cancer. Yeah. But yeah, um, like the, the the thing about um, I think I think John, you were talking about this maybe like a couple episodes ago now, but like. Like not realizing Tim Burton's wide-ranging influence. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, Barry Sonnenfeld directs the Adams Family, but it very easily could, you know, could have been like yeah. Tim Burton. Like, if like if they had put Tim Burton's name on it, like you wouldn't you wouldn't have made like, any, like, clear distinction between this and, say, like, Beetlejuice.
0: I completely... Um, I mean, I feel like without Beetlejuice and the Batman films, mm. Adam's Family wouldn't even get greenlit. For sure, yeah. You know? Yeah. It's that... I I guarantee you it's that vision. Seinfeld selling that vision at the studio pitch and saying, you know, look, Mm. it's going to be like Beetlejuice. It's going to be like a Burton film. We'll make it real dark and... But it's also funny, so it's good, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like, the only...
2: Well... Thinking about it now, the only difference with Burton is, like, he does have, like, in some his original stuff, at least, he has, like, the contrast between, like, these super bright, like, pastel kind of colors, and then you have, like, you know, the very grim black Well, they get and white. into
0: that in the sequel, Adam's Family Values.
2: Oh, well, I, I'll I'll get to that.
0: Because uh, Joan when Cusack's I, character is, uh, he she drapes Fester in pastels. Oh, right, right. They actually make a joke about it. They, uh, Angelica Houston does. <laughs> Morticia, mm.
2: but yeah, I will say Adam's family is very entertaining, and I had I had a lot of fun with it. And I'll just go on and say, uh, so I finally finally got around to rewatching Terminator Two: Judgment Day. Ooh. Now, uh, like like with Raiders of the Lost Ark and Last Crusade, when I was a kid, I would have sworn up and down, you know. Raiders is a 5 out of 5, all every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Last Crusade is just okay. But then, watching it as an adult, I'm like, no, Last Crusade is easily the better film. And now I feel like, okay, Terminator is very superior to T2. Like,
0: Whoa. There
2: are just so many things that I cannot get along with as far as like characterization and... Uh, like, I did not you know, see the, that coming. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, you know, people, people will talk about you know the uh, the thumbs up as he's going into the lava. Is like, you know, no, that's cheesy. It ruins the whole film. But like when he steps out of the fucking bar and fucking bad to the bone plays, like that wasn't the thing that got your spidey t- senses tingling about how cheesy this was no, going to be. Shit
0: was awesome. I'm uh, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I Uh, I, I agree there's like a lot more like cheesy humor mm. in it. And I I have a huge, I do have an issue with, I have an issue with Arnold's performance throughout the film is that he's like, Mm. I mean, it's not his fault. It's the lines he's given. Like, he's, he's like way more human for some reason. And they don't really explain Mm. why. Yeah. But I think that. Just in terms of like movie making, it's just so much better made than the first one that I I like have to appreciate it more. Like it's so much more glossy mm. and nice to look at. And
2: yeah, I see what you're saying for you sure. Know. Um, I had
0: I hate Edward Furlong too, but he's yeah. I mean, but you know, it's just yeah. I, the Robert Patrick stuff is great. Linda Hamilton's really good in it. Yeah. So I, I mean, don't know. I enjoy. It. I like the whole uh, insane asylum escape scene and all that stuff. Like
2: yeah. I don't know a lot of the stuff with the Sarah Connor thing I thought was like you know hey you know let's give her like PTSD like kind of more as like a you know not even a plot point just as something to spice up her character a little bit I didn't I didn't like what they did with with her characterization and as far
0: as that goes um let's see how about when he tells the Terminator Hmm. they can't kill anybody
2: I mean that was that was fine.
0: I hated that shit when I was younger. Well, but then I did love the next scene where he blows the guy's kneecaps out. <laughs> yeah, says he'll live. Yeah, <laughs> he'll That's live. Good stuff.
2: Yeah, and then like you know zero you know blows up an entire parking lot with the cop cars and then the zero, zero point casualties. zero. Yeah, yeah. That,
0: my my dad always loved the scene. Uh, like we used to watch this shit a lot when I was a kid, and his favorite scene was when he. Uh, He's shooting all the SWAT team guys in the kneecaps, and then he picks up the uh, the tear gas grenade thing and hit, oh, yeah. shoots the guy in the back with it. <laughs>
2: oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: He loved that shit.
2: Yeah, and like, I don't, I don't know if it's like, like now, like having having children. This you know probably like changes my view of things quite a bit in certain instances. But like when it got to, when it got around to like Sarah Connor, you know like. You know, doing all of this stuff to protect her child and et cetera, et cetera, and then she's just going to straight up kill this dude in front of his, like, 10-year-old son. I was just like, mm, I'm, i I'm not on board with this. I, That I just... scene was
0: awesome, too. I love that scene. <laughs> I really do, actually. I like that whole thing. Uh, it's all the slow-mo and shit. It's good stuff.
2: Yeah. But then they, but th- that was another thing too. Like they kind of like save his life, only to have him like go out, you know, "quote unquote" heroically. He sacrifices himself for the greater good. Whatever. There's still there's there's still the one the one significant character of color in the movie is well, has now left I mean, a dead that ch- has now left an orphan child. So it's
0: 1991. Yeah, <laughs> James Cameron is a racist. We get it. Okay. Let's...
2: Yeah. <laughs> It's like I was saying last time about Mighty Ducks and the Oreo line. Mm. Oh, yeah. Jesus.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, JR. We should probably get to Schumacher.
2: Mm.
1: All right. Um, I went on a journey. I don't really know why I went on this journey. Um, But, you know, I was like, if Kevin's going to make me watch fucking Flatliners, then I'm going <laughs> to familiarize myself with, with Joel Schumacher, uh, kind of thinking, hoping that... You know, I would find that he deserves reappraisal as like a vulgar auteur, much like Tony Scott and Paul W. Sanderson, like or the, the way that they have been reappraised. You know, not that those guys deserve it, and um, and Joel Schumacher doesn't deserve it either. Um,
0: I don't think anybody. Know, I, nobody looks at Joel Schumacher that way, though. Do they?
1: I no, I was well. He, I mean, I, there might be people out there. I don't know. Um, but in general, I don't think they do. That's why I was, I was hoping to discover right. uh, a new, a new, you avenue. wanted to be
0: the the person to plant your flag and on that hill yeah. and say, look, mm. he's actually I, really, I really good.
1: Did. I really did. <laughs> mm. And I can't, you know, I can't do that because, uh, that would be a lie. He's not really good. Um, you know, nothing I watched was above three stars and, uh, you know, I, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in some of his movies, like, uh, millimeter with Nicolas cage hunting down the creators of a snuff film um it's probably his most interesting movie and it's uh it's really violent and dark and i don't understand how a major studio produced it and put it out and made money off of it doesn't make any sense
0: i was in the middle of uh, nick cage mania
1: mm. yeah
0: 1999 post post uh face off and all that shit you know he's yeah. top of the world they'll do anything you yep. want Eyes
1: was around this time too right
0: it was, Snake Eyes it was, was a failure though i think. Oh. But, but, you know, yeah, still anyway, he's huge. That's a great time. movie, though. Yeah, I love Snake.
1: Yeah. And so, like, this is a movie about fetishism and sex in a way that, like, you'll see little bits of in a lot of his movies, like the Batman movies I talked about. Um, but it's just not, it's never as interesting as it could be. And it, he's just not a good director. So, like, the every movie gets derailed by by crap. I think. And, uh, you know, during like around the Batman movies, he went through a a courtroom phase with the client and a time to kill that uh, just revealed. He doesn't know how to handle any sort of like confined realistic drama at all. Like a time to kill is both his longest and just most incompetent movie. It's a, it's just, it's, it's a piece of shit that I, I'm so mad that I watched. And, uh, these were like, these were hit, like, uh, The Client and Time to Kill were hits. Yeah. They were Oscar hopefuls. Grisham, man. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Grisham. I should have mentioned Grisham. And, uh, you know, The Client got Susan Sarandon, an undeserved lead actress nominee nomination. And uh, The Client's in New Orleans, and The Time to Kill is in Mississippi, so, like, just the accents are mm. just fucking unbearable. <laughs> it, like... Kevin Spacey doing yeah, this. He's like, the worst. Uh, this fucking <laughs> he's the worst. Lawyer shtick is bad. I mean, Tommy Lee Jones doesn't do well with it in the client either.
0: I haven't seen the client since I was a kid, but mm. uh, I've seen the Time to Kill a lot and recently.
1: It's like we know Tommy Lee Jones can do a Southern accent, but I think the very specific like high class New Orleans lawyer accent mm. uh, did not work on him. And, uh, you know, and then, like, you get his movies that a lot of people actually like for some reason, like St. Elmo's Fire uh, in the 80s. I think it was like, – was, that was, like, his second big feature. He had a couple of ones that didn't matter. But um, there's just, like, a parade of shitty fucking behavior from shitty 20-somethings packaged to, like, make us think that they are just your average, everyday, like, cool kids that you should aspire to be. Um, and I promise you, not everyone does or not everyone should – Drive to Vermont to stalk a girl that barely fucking uh, knows you, and uh, and then get really mad and yell at their boyfriend when she doesn't want to be your boyfriend instead. It's uh St. of Fire is really gross. Um, the Lost Boys less offensive, just was just not very interesting.
0: Hmm.
1: Do you guys have feelings on the Lost Boys? Am I I, wrong on this?
0: I like the Lost Boys. I think it's entertaining. I don't think it's good necessarily, but I find it very watchable i can get through it very easily it's like a piece of cake or something you know you just yeah it's just very 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 it's disposable as fuck but you can watch it it's not a problem i it remember
2: i remember being bored and not understanding why a bunch of my friends liked the movie
0: i think a lot of it has to do with nostalgia for people i mean people who love lost mm. boys seems like they they grew up with it well, you know and, and yeah, it was yeah.
1: it was such like a or it seems like sorry i was not alive when this came out and i don't want to pretend like I know a ton of people that like this movie, but it seems like that comes from sort of like a, a visual aesthetic and like, like costume style in the movie that is very representative of like what could look cool in the 80s. Because like the whole thing with the the vampires is that they're supposed to look fucking cool. Um, and maybe they did at the time. But that kind of uh, disposability and watchability, I thought, like, was there? It was like a Ted Dance and Isabella Rossellini, Rossellini rom com cousins. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing interesting going on there. And then, uh, sorry guys, I don't get falling down. It's a movie that just like.
0: Can't it goes, it goes over your head. It's just going right over your head.
1: It doesn't pick a point of view, so it just feels incompetent. It, it's like it pretends to criticize Michael Douglas's behavior, but then it frames his behavior constantly against much worse behavior. So kind of lets him off the hook and it feels gross. And I just I don't really get what it wanted. I don't get what it wanted. I, me, I,
0: I, I actually agree with all, I never, I never actually thought of it that way, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's fair. I think it, I, I, I agree. It alternates between whether or not it thinks that uh, defense is a hero or a villain. It feels like he's a hero uh, to, like you know this kind of like you know this boiling rage that's that's uh, underneath society but then he's a super villain to his family you know who he's mm. obviously going to uh probably hurt in some way at the yep. end there
2: yeah i mean i think like th- <clears throat> things definitely could have been better explained as far as like you know why he's doing what he's why he's doing what he's doing how he ended up where he was at um i don't know like i I, f- I feel like it does a decent enough job like you know like that line at the very end like i'm the bad guy yeah it's like he's genuinely taken aback by how that did it and it's like
0: so good and yeah and it's
2: like <laughs> but that's that's the thing like i i feel like that's important to see because so often i don't feel like you know the people who are going out and doing the kinds of things that he does, and you know, we've seen countless times since the in, people insult. who do that, yeah, like they don't, yeah, they don't see that they are the bad guys in those situations, <clears throat> like, right. and you know, obviously I, we can see it plain as day, but it's like to really try to understand why those people do what they do, it's like you I'm know,
0: not sure. Okay, uh, and that's, and I agree with you. To an extent, i i don't think I don't think of falling down that way. I don't think of it as a political statement at all. Like I don't think of it as having something serious to say. I know that that's what the filmmakers want you to think. Mm. I know that's what Michael Douglas wants you to think because he talks about. I've watched an interview with him on the D, on the Blu-ray. I don't think of it like that. I, I think of it as sort of in the same terms as I just talked about last Lost Boys. Like it's very very easy to watch for me. I find it very entertaining. I love every scene in it. Like, I'm just infinitely entertained by it. But so much so, and I find it really, uh, like, I think it looks good. It's really well shot. I think that uh, Douglas's performance is very good. I like Robert Duvall's performance is amazing. Mm. I like Ra- Rachel Takoten. Her performance is great, too. And uh, I think, and uh, Barbara Hershey, too, she's great in it. And okay. uh, I feel like uh, all that stuff elevates it for me. That's what makes it more enjoyable for me. mm
1: I'm, yeah. I think I, I definitely read it more. I, I don't know if I read it as a political statement more as I just it's hard to not see it as one mm. when it, it's kind of like predicts. It, it predicts a, a weird thing that exists in like Trump era, just internet politics. You know, like the mm. like the put upon white guy, and it's not it's not fair to put that on a movie made in 1993. I think. I'm sure predict that
0: sure, but that 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 feeling of the white white men becoming the minority in this country. I mean, that existed then as well, right? I mean, there's that. It's mm, a yeah. right. It's a right wing thing that's existed for a long, long, long time. But and I, I agree with you, like that. That part of it's gr- if I think of it in terms like that, I agree with you. It's gross, and like that's why I try not to think of it in terms like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and,
1: and you know, I think it's yeah. I don't know. I I, I don't think that. uh schumacher is very good at like political statements or real uh insights into like our country or anything so i think it's it probably is it should be easy to not read it as such sure uh this like Mm. yeah at its heart it's an exploitation movie from the 70s
0: exactly and it's like it's Mm. like it's like that movie with uh it's like that movie joe right uh with uh peter boyle you know yeah it's like this just like white right male rage you know against mm. uh whatever, whoever, you know, the people that he they find to be objectionable in their society. Of course, mm. in the film, they try to get away with that by, by him constantly saying he just wants to go home and people are in his way, like people are just stopping yeah, him from going yeah. home. But really, yeah. you know, the the right wing is going to obviously read into that as mm. this guy is shooting minorities constantly. <laughs> you know? Yeah.
2: Well, it's a funny thing, too, you know, like he, you know, when uh when he ends up in uh, <clears throat> the army surplus place and that dude has... All the Nazi memorabilia, and he's like, "No, this is America. Like, Great this team. is like this is what we fought. You know, this is what America fought against. You know, against fascism and stuff. Which, like, you know, <laughs> it's it's such a funny thing. Well, not it's not funny. It's horrible. Like people, like baby boomers, especially, you know, on the right, will you know they'll hold they'll hold up like the greatest generation that you know fought the Nazis and et cetera, et cetera. But then." They turn around and do things that are very much of a Nazi ilk. Of course. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, I mean.
1: (laughs) Self-awareness has never been Mm. the, the strong suit of the American public. Truth. Or Americans in general.
2: But yeah, I mean, I, I have a long spiel about, like, the American dream and what it ha- what it was and what it has become, but I'm not going to go into that now. It's too long.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, you know, and it's not that I don't want to hear it, but, yeah, you're right that we probably shouldn't. we got 20 um, minutes left. Do that so here. Probably... <laughs> um, <laughs> All right, let's talk anyway, flatliners. So, yeah, uh, no, no, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Uh,
0: he's not done. Hold on. You want to talk Two about more. Phantom of the Opera? Really?
1: No, I, I, didn't, really, I didn't really watch that. I, I <laughs> really hate it. My wife loves that movie. Made me watch it a long time ago, and I, I really can't stand it. But uh, I did get to a phone booth for the first time. Uh-oh. And, uh, oh. that's kind of like a – there's like a Hitchcockian premise going on there and some De, De Palma visual tricks, and it's 70 minutes. And, uh, you know, like that – it is just by definition to I me mean, watchable. It is not awful at all. It's not very good, no, but okay. it uh,
0: it's horrible. You know. It looks. It's the worst looking movie he ever shot. It's absolutely yeah. atrocious looking. He filmed
1: mm. it in the street in ten days, for, right. for nothing. It's hideous. You know the laser sight yeah, thing is just. It's,
0: a... it's the worst. <laughs> it's like and, uh, CG laser sight.
1: It, uh. it also like kind of cops out on its like. By showing you Kiefer Sutherland at the very end, sorry, spoiler again. <gasps> Kiefer Sutherland is the the voice on the phone, um,
0: star of every Jules Schumacher film,
1: just about. Not, from what I've a seen, bunch of them. but uh, yeah, I don't know that that doesn't work.
0: He's and, terrible uh, in it too. Like his voice, is his voice work is horrible in it. He's the worst. I think
1: so. I think so. And you know, I'll I'll have some I'll have some Sutherland thoughts during Flatliners, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and and I. You know, right before we recorded, I finally got around to the number 23 because Kevin said he was surprised I hadn't seen it. And I guess uh, I was surprised I hadn't seen it also. And that movie definitely deserves to, to be made fun of the way it is. It's uh, it's totally ridiculous. The number 23 isn't actually important in the movie at all. Uh, and the obsession Jim Carrey creates doesn't make any sense, but also leads at least to a very predictable place. So that movie's dumb. Um, and every time Joel. Every time Mr. Shumi has something visually interesting going on, he fucks it up, uh, either with crap performances or just like a dumbass script, or he does something visually ridiculous and it's ugly. And, uh, you know, it's like, did he ever make anything better than a three-star movie? I, uh, you know, wait wait for an extra view to find out.
0: You'll have to watch Trespass and let us know.
1: Mm. Yeah. Mm. And I will I'll watch, full, you know, now that I'm so deep, I'm going to have to finish the, of course. the filmography.
2: Yeah, I mean, I thought you were gonna ride that that uh, that momentum that you know you and your wife were watching a bunch of movies, so y'all would get around to Phantom of the Opera.
1: Uh, He's trying. Uh, not you know, to. I'm <laughs> not ever going to remind her of how much she ah. used to like. The movie. It's so so long too.
0: All right, All right let's uh, move on to Flatliners, which is uh, Kevin's pick. It's from 1990. 1990. It stars. Uh, Every actor who was big at the time: Kiefer Sutherland, Julia Roberts, Kevin Bacon, Oliver Platt. The the only big for like three years, the right smack dab in the middle of the career of William Baldwin, mm. when he could actually you know stand next to these actors in a mm. film uh, on a marquee. And uh, yeah, it's uh, directed by Joel Schumacher. What did, what did, what why did you make us watch this, Kevin?
2: Well, I saw that neither of y'all had logged it, and I've never seen it before. Yeah, I mean, I had watched it like a long time ago, and I remembered thinking it was interesting at least. But I figured it was time to watch it again, especially since Schumacher just passed. Um, and, I did. You know, and I it's did. A, it's really about finding out if there's if there's an afterlife. Um, and I and I also was like, you know, I don't plan on ever watching the remake. Uh, but I was like yeah and like now I yeah we sh- you know it's something that we could talk about that we could get good conversation the, out
0: of I uh, well okay having said that I did take more notes than I've ever taken before really? um, <laughs> and I'll try not to extend my I've discussion a, of it but I have a lot I've of notes i got a full Google Docs page Wow, I mean I've got like a shitload of notes but uh, I guess I mean just starting out the opening credits mm. so when the opening credits are happening it's these uh, uh, images of these kind of uh, I don't know if you call them, a gothic, but they're just like statues and there's mm. that coral. And I was actually like, <laughs> really, I was like, this is all right. Like I could like, this reminds me of the exorcist for some reason, like the mm. beginning of the exorcist, even though I don't think there are really credits like that at the beginning, but, but did, <laughs> yeah,
1: did it surprise you that this was a hospital and not a church?
0: No, I I have a note about that too. I was like I like I don't understand the church, I mean the the hospital, the school I guess that they're mm. in. Like I don't under like but uh, like when it first happened when they're first in like these kind of cathedral halls doing autopsies and stuff, I was like this is absolutely ridiculous. But then I started to realize something about halfway through the movie which was that literally no scene happens in reality. Like everything is happening in like this weirdly you know bottom from lit from the lit from the floor there's even a shot in keith for southern's like uh, apartment where there's like you could see a light on the floor just like shining up yeah everything's blue or red or like mm. weird colors everything is like you know at 11 and they're obviously shooting in on on stages and this town that this school is in or this hospital is in is like it's just like heinous. It looks like the. It looks like a, like a dark alley from the Spawn comics or something. Yeah, you know, yeah. like I, it feels like they're going to get yeah. killed at any second. Like mm. there's that one scene where. Sutherland uh, abandons them at the graveyard, and yeah. when Bacon goes to pick them up, they're literally like they're standing like hobos with their hands over a barrel fire under a tr- over an overpass. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like what? Like these are medical students. Like what are they d-? like? There's no there's nothing nothing to do around here, right? Yeah, the town's just completely dead all the time. They're in a diner, and nobody else is in the diner.
2: Yeah, and it's
1: a huge diner. Yeah, too. it's like
0: yeah, it seats a thousand people. There's nobody. Well,
1: and- <laughs> that's right, and the the, ch- the chairs are on the table, which uh, implies that. They're closed, right? Right. Well, they're closing. Or Yeah, she's like, pay, I mean, pay I, when you want.
0: Yeah, like, I get that. Like, they're, you know, okay, it's like they're doing all this shit late at night. But it's just like, mm. I don't know. The whole thing is just, it's just so, it's like the most stylized movie I've ever seen. Like, nothing happens in it where I'm like, oh, this looks like it could actually happen in reality. Mm. Like, even when they go in to visit... Uh, Winnie the 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 black lady that was the child getting make fun of like I'm just like she she has has this massive greenhouse in her (laughs) just like what like what do we look like what is happening Kevin Bacon drives like an army cargo truck I know just (laughs) nothing makes sense in this movie everything's just like turned up so fucking loud yeah I know
2: like it's so like this like this thinking about this movie was one of the things that got me thinking about like you know what like Early like late eighties early nineties horror movies were like very much like oh this is the return of the gothic romance slash gothic horror mm-hmm. because you know everything is so melodramatic and like you know uh like e- even even kind of kind of the way like Kiefer Sutherland dresses with the uh, the long coat you know he's very Byronic and um, good word yeah and like yeah it's so. Yeah, like th- like this is what, you know, gothic horror is like very much about in right. my opinion. You know, cuz like people more associate it with like stuff like the Tim Burton things and all that kind of stuff but like nah, if you you know, if you're going back to like you know, Frankenstein and stuff like that, it's very much like this is what it
1: was what it was like.
0: The writing, the writing in it is just oh, no. so it's like it's it's can
1: can, what? Can I can I do some line readings?
0: Oh yeah, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: All right. So, and I was just thinking, like, there's so much that kind of undercuts, like the gothic imagery and stuff with just like ridiculously overwritten lines. Like, <laughs> you just bring the equipment. I'll bring my balls.
0: <laughs>
1: and uh, <laughs> yeah, you burned your career on a stranger now you turn your back on a friend it's like i was like oh my fucking god uh both those are in the first 15 minutes of the movie yeah right it's
0: i did have one line that i liked uh which was when uh oliver platt was talking to william uh baldwin and he he said the words pussy marauder i thought that was funny he's like pussy marauder (laughs) I (laughs) i was like that's that's pretty good uh, but I was actually, I wasn't, when I said the writing, I, like, I'm criticizing the writing. I don't really mean the dialogue. So, I mean, the dialogue is obviously, uh, has issues. Mm. But just, like, the idea of having Kevin Bacon rappelling out of his apartment window when he's, because he's been kicked out, I guess. He's, like, I know, I know. got, like, mountain climbing equipment. And he's, like, <laughs> it's just such a weird choice. let well, it's, like, like, like th- let's have it be really, really graphic, you know what I mean? Like, let's, uh, instead of him just, like, bringing stuff out of his apartment, let's have him rappel out of the window yeah well, and then a, uh, they
2: pan over to his army yes yeah, army, army surplus <laughs> exactly
1: truck so this is a um this is like a film school screenwriting thing yes. that you are taught like you don't just have dialogue and people talking you always have like people doing something like you always have something visual um so that it's not just dialogue it, it's it's not just boring dialogue
0: it's that's such that's dialogue. such a mistake too it's such a gross thing because mm-hmm. it's something i think about often there's another scene that happens in in this film that bothered me because it was just so obvious which is when the first night that they're the first uh, experiment that they do with kiefer They're Mm. literally having a debate about whether they should do it as they're preparing to do it. I'm like, this debate would have happened weeks ago. Like, everybody who's showing up here would be 100% in if they're showing up to do this, right? Mm. Like, they wouldn't be having this debate while they're getting ready. And it just reminded me of television cop shows where anytime uh uh, somebody is being interviewed by the cops they're like they go to like this factory like hey does joe work here yeah he's back in the back doing a doing a a lube on lube job on a truck and they go back and the whole time they're talking to him he just keeps doing the lube job on the truck i'm like this guy would not be working while he's talking to these fucking cops about his wife being raped or whatever you know it's just like it makes no sense at all but well, he, jobs again, gotta,
1: jobs got to get done. Exactly, and, <laughs> mm-hmm. they have
0: to keep the action going because otherwise, we can't just have people talking on screen. God forbid, it would be so fucking boring, <laughs> right? And I agree. It's like, yeah, but that that that's an issue with your dialogue. It's not an issue with the you know what I mean. That not with the action. Mm. It just bothered me.
1: So, did anyone else uh, tell me if you got these vibes? Um, just based on where it goes and like how at the beginning it's almost like it's, it's not it's not addiction like kiefer sutherland has this experience uh where he sees what we assume at the time is like a piece of his past um and then you know comes out of it says it was incredible and you know the people really want in they really want now everyone wants to go under uh and flatline it like kind of reminded me of like a, a very like stupid and, and i don't mean that to say like the whole thing's bad but i just I don't think there's a ton of thought put into this, but a stupid version of like crash, but like remove the sex and make the like fetishism, just like a a weird unhealthy obsession with death. And then it also kind of reminded me of uh, altered states, but with like a cotton candy version of the uh, death realm or like another realm.
0: You you Um, know, I I didn't, I didn't actually think of either of those, but I mean, that does make sense. the, mm. The thing is that like, so going into it, I'm like, i don't know anything about i mean i know what flatliners is like i know what it's about to an extent but i'm going i'm going into it my, my most recent memory is seeing the trailer for the remake and in the remake the trailer anyways makes it look like it's an addiction thing it looks like mm. you know they're they do it and it feels good it makes them feel great so they want to do it even more
1: yes that is literally the only addition to the remake it's right. the same fucking movie <laughs> in every way, oh no! Switches up like some of, like the character dynamics. Like instead of Kevin or the skeptic uh, doesn't flatline. Diego Luna is basically the the Kevin Bacon character, but he's the one who does not flatline. Instead of having Oliver Platt not flatline, which basically just means Oliver Platt doesn't really matter in this movie. Um, but yeah, the uh, it is the only <laughs> it, that sorry uh, the Flatliners remake is just it's incompetent. I'll say uh but it does it, it like gives you powers like Ellen Page flatlines and then she's able to play piano but she used to be able to play piano but she just forgot
0: so mm. she just like remembered
1: how to play piano and yeah they feel they have like a drug high the next day <laughs> it's that's it
0: I got more uh when I was thinking of other like other films I got shades of like Jacob's ladder more than oh, anything and sure, Jacob's yeah. Ladder is a is a vastly superior I've film in my that. opinion you haven't seen it no, oh, oh, dude man, you good. gotta get on that. didn't we do it did we do a show on that at some point before he uh, not with me no not with you but um, I, I thought maybe I know I know I watched what? it recently yeah one of us. we m- talked about it because of Macaulay Culkin's in it yeah yeah I guess
2: you had watched it like at maybe. some point or it's maybe it's really Jonathan did. it's
0: definitely worth a watch um but uh Mm. I was going to say, I got Shades of Jacob's Ladder just because of all the near-death stuff. There's there's similar imagery in it, uh, but but the difference is that Schumacher uses that imagery in every single scene of this film, whereas, mm. you know, Adrian Lyne uses it in a few scenes in Jacob's Ladder, right, right. appropriately. Like, I, was, I wrote down near, near the end of the film, I was like, there's no difference between the dream sequences and reality in this movie. Like, everything looks the same. Like, you don't even... You wouldn't even know you were in a dream sequence if there wasn't wind blowing constantly. Mm. You know? I think...
1: I, yeah I think the only difference is like there are color changes it, Like, there's color there's insane color all over the place but like uh, William Baldwin's like sort of like sex nightmare is very like black and white because of his right. tapes and yeah. um, it, it uh, Sutherland's like starts off with like a pretty normal color palette even if it's like over kind of overlit, lit um, and then just gets dark and weird kind of like tricks you into, into normalcy at the beginning.
2: Mm.
1: But yeah, I, you're right. The, the, the whole thing is, is so insanely visual.
0: I also it's... thought of the abyss, but I can't remember why I wrote it down. I don't know why I thought of the abyss, but uh, maybe just because of the blue lighting. I know mm. Cameron loves his blue lights too, oh, yeah. but there's a line that Oliver Platt says at some point where he's like, you know, cause he's constantly trying to like sort of argue his, like rationalize it to himself while they're doing it. And you can tell he's like the one that's uh, taking notes with his recorder and whatnot. Mm. And there's, at one point they're in the diner and he says something about like, he's getting angry about like society. And he's like, he's like, we got to show those fucking boomers. What's what and I was like, Oliver Platt is a boomer. Like what, like, what are we what to- What is he talking about? Like this guy was this guy born in like 1959 like he's a fucking boomer like (laughs) show the boomer all these people at this table are boomers
2: yeah I mean yeah I mean maybe the character is supposed to be like 25 but still even then though in 25
0: in 1990 I mean 1965.
1: Yeah, so I don't know, man. Yeah. So he would be a flower child, right? I or guess is that... I don't
0: know what that. I don't know if that's a, a technical term, even. Yeah, okay. I don't
1: know, <laughs> well, I don't know if boomers.
0: Well, but I'm saying baby, 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 boomer is yeah, like yeah. a yeah. accepted generation, right? I mean,
1: yeah.
2: Well, well, that's the thing. Like maybe they're not necessarily boomers, but they're certainly not Gen Xers.
0: Well, no. Um, they so. are. They are in in reality. Well, I mean the, they're the heroes of Gen Xers, maybe. Yeah, Bacon and yeah. Sutherland, for instance.
2: Yeah, some um, lost generation. I can
0: I also I couldn't handle uh, Kiefer's scenes getting beaten up by the child. Like it just came uh, off as comedic to me.
2: Yeah.
0: Like there's like a well, little kid beating the shit out of him. Yeah,
1: I, I <laughs> Kiefer Sutherland's character is such a like, dick that yeah. it, it, you kind of just want it to happen. Absolutely. Like <laughs> he's awful to everyone. Why are these people friends with him? Uh, he's He's the worst. He's competitive. He's the one who cares about, like, getting famous and him getting the credit for it. Um, He is 100% the villain of this movie, and I don't think Joel Schumacher realizes
0: that. No, he definitely doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) But the thing is, like, it's funny because they talk constantly about how he's going to be famous because he did this thing. And I'm just thinking to myself, like nobody's doing. They're not doing anything. Like they're, what are they doing? They're not writing anything down. They're not doing any mm. research. Like they're literally just killing themselves and bringing themselves back to life, and then not talking about it. Like they're keeping everything from each other. So like, yeah, what? Yeah. Like how does he get famous from this? I don't understand. Like what is he hoping? I mean, I don't know what he's hoping to find out. I guess is that there there is some kind of afterlife or something. But it's like, like you're just you're accomplishing absolutely nothing. It's like I mean, William Baldwin is. Uh, you know filming everything I'm just like for what like what I don't understand what like yeah it's for posterity like nothing is happening with any of this stuff and the only person yeah. who seems like they're doing anything is Oliver Platt who is recording notes into his thing so you're thinking oh maybe mm-hmm. he's gonna be like writing a book about it or something at some point right. and in that situation Oliver Platt would be the one who's getting famous it just the, the whole thing is just so like ridiculous and surface level and like not grounded in any sort of reality whatsoever mm. and well, I it, yeah sorry no All go right. ahead
1: Well, I was going to say, and I I think that should bring us to like what, what is going on with the flatlining and and the kid beating him up and like, you know, so basically we pay for our uh, sins, right? What you get is, (laughs) what you get is like, you get visions, hallucinations that can beat you up of basically like your biggest guilt in life. Um, And I think that is an interesting idea on, on the surface Mm. Um, but I'm not sure that they explored it in any sort of meaningful, uh, way. And, and, you know, you just, the consequences thing at one point, a doctor says to them like their, or their professor says to them in a way that a professor would never talk to anyway anyone, they're like back to work or suffer the consequences. Yeah, <laughs> And I was like, wow. Uh, the idea of consequences. We're hitting that on the head a little hard. Mm. Yeah.
0: Like,
1: what did you guys think of this, like, the the guilt manifestations?
0: I thought, I thought they were redundant since two of them are ch- children that were bullied by our cast. Mm. And I was like, I don't understand how they – like, I, is, I thought it was so redu- – like, I understand sort of from a writing mechanics uh, point of view of, like, well, we have to have two different ones so that Kevin Bacon can figure it out and then Sutherland can – Fix it, and then there's the reveal that he can't fix it because you know there's the kid's dead. Spoiler, but um, mm. it's just like <laughs> I just thought it was. I was like the second like the, okay, so the kid shows up, he's beaten shit out of Sutherland, and then uh Bacon goes under. He comes back, and then he's got a kid who he bullied when he was a kid. And I'm just like, are mm. this, like, are we? This is a series. Is this going to be everybody? Everybody just got some kid. Like they're all a bunch of bullies, and now they're paying the price for it. It's just not. It just seems we'll so ridiculous. The sex one. No, I know that. Yeah, I know that. I'm saying, like... But, I mean, yeah. the sex one was equally... Like, the, honestly, the sex one's even worse. Like, the sex one uh, was... Like, to me, Baldwin is worse than Sutherland, just oh, for what he's doing. Sorry, like the, he's-
1: the, what. What's worse to me is that the, the movie does not interrogate at all... No, I agree, yeah. Uh, William Baldwin's, like, non-consensual filming of these women during sex. And uh, the only part I liked about his story is when... Hope Davis broke up with him yeah. and made it clear that it's like, I'm not breaking up with you because of the cheating. I make breaking up with you because you're a fucking criminal.
0: Right. But then mm. the movie
1: doesn't treat him like a criminal. So who cares?
2: I thought, yeah, and honestly, there, there's no real resolution to that other than her uh, breaking up with him. And like, that's it. Like it's not, it's not mentioned again. No, he, he's the learned the, the error movie. of his
1: ways.
0: And honestly, I thought when they first introduced that at the very, like, it's like one of the first things you see of him is him making a fuck tape with some lady. Yeah, yeah. And I thought he was, like, he looks at the camera, and he, like, winks at the camera, and I'm like, A, I'm thinking that this is consensual. I don't know why I thought that, but I was just thinking, like, oh, this guy's just filming himself fucking, like, and, and she's a, okay with it. The and then I was thinking, the second thing I was thinking was, you can't even see the woman in this tape. Like, what's he, what, he's going to jerk off to the his image of his back? I mean, I was just like, yeah, was like what's like, he, like, I what is this? is this? there's, a, what good is there's
1: this? a certain arrogant ego to yeah. his character in general, so maybe of course.
0: But I, I did. I mean, that was one of my least favorite lines in the movie where he says that, that he's confessing what he's done to everybody. He calls it the Joe Hurley video library. <laughs> it's like you're going to make a like a like a Ooh. funny quip about the fact that you've been taking advantage of women. <laughs> I just. Yeah, oh, man, I mean, he's, he's the worst. Like, And that that's the whole thing. Like everything that happened to him. I was just like, this, all this is good. Like, this guy should die. Like, fuck this guy. Like. Who yeah. And,
2: yeah, and that was the thing like it, it gets it goes in so hard on like, you know, Kiefer Sutherland's characters responsible for this kid's death and it's like well, you know, and, and that was another thing. That was like when they finally when you finally figure out that like okay, the kid died, but then like apparently the kid is like skewered in multiple places all over his body with tree branches. That was fucking ridiculous on a level that I cannot even begin to think about. It's like, you know, they can't... No, we can't just pan over and, like, have the kid, you know, just dead. Like, he has to be speared all through his arms and his back by tree branches.
0: Um, <laughs> I, mean, I actually yeah. didn't... I don't even remember What's that up? happening. He gets speared by the tree branches? Yeah. I don't even remember that. I,
2: I remember for Must sure, like, like like like... Like, the kids are, like, coming around, and they, like, it's a slow reveal. Like, you see them coming out of his arms and out of his oh back. Oh, my. So, it's like,
0: okay. I've been eating my cereal at that point. Okay. <laughs> I'll tell you, Hurley does have one cool thing about him. He has a high-8 VCR that plays mini tapes. Oh, right. I thought that was pretty cool. Never seen that before.
2: It was, <laughs> yeah. It was, like, going back to Batman and Robin. It was like, hey, like, they have, like, those mini DVD burners.
0: I have a, a let me let me just real I just want to burn through the rest of these notes okay so uh, Jan de Bont is the one who shot this and I think it does look good I think it's shot well mm-hmm. like I think Jan de Bont has a talent for making this kind of kind of bloated um, weirdly lit uh, thriller kind of thing and what's interesting is that the first patient uh, that uh, Julie Roberts is interviewing about her near-death experience is the lady from speed she she's in. The, she's like the crazy bus lady on speed and uh Jan de Bont directed speed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh there's a mo- another connection too which is that I was thinking about the abyss during this and then the woman who plays Winnie is in the abyss. Oh. And she's also in falling down as yeah. a detective. Um I I had the qu- I wrote down the question is Julia Roberts hot because I couldn't figure it out if she's actually good looking or not. Like I I find her hair very attractive. The- but everything her she, she the shows hair her face. was
1: attractive. Yeah,
0: mm. I love the hair. Whenever
1: post flatline, I thought her hair got insane. Like her hair got bigger.
0: Oh yeah, and, I really appreciate the pixie if, like, cut and hook. Oh yeah, that's good too. She's all right. Hook. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think this movie. I think this idea should work as a movie. I think there is a good movie in in this premise somewhere and i i don't think they got to it because i i just think they like misjudged the characters so poorly and in all the other pro- like dialogue and writing problems as well but uh i if they had kind of embraced like the the classic like uh, slasher kind of idea that these kids suck and deserve to die it would have been better or they maybe i don't know maybe make their guilt stuff more interesting uh, the remake does kill one of the students.
0: Mm. Oh, they, they actually
1: kill the Kiefer Sutherland equivalent, which was fascinating. Mm. Um, another psycho thing: kill the kill the main person. Well, about like,
0: that, I mean, I, I wrote down. I was like, I don't. What is Kiefer Sutherland's plan? Yeah, I mean, like he gets there, he puts himself. Into this Shoot, death coma, mm. I'm just like if he if this is all he if he genuinely wants to kill himself, why go through all this trouble? Why don't I just blow his head off or something? Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. wh- what's the issue here? Like, why go under? And then them bringing him back is just absolutely ridiculous. I, mm. I was I thought he was well, going to die, and then he didn't. I was like, this is this is the worst.
1: Yeah, like they they should have had the guts to to kill these kids. They should have had the guts to to make them villains because Kiefer's already just like a. He's just an ugly, flaccid cock of a human yeah uh in this in this movie. it does like possibly in their life too he, yeah sure <laughs> <laughs> well, you know i I'd believe it have you seen that um, documentary
0: where he's the band manager no i'm um, uh what's the band manager, yeah, he banishes some uh like really shitty like alt blues rock band and uh mm. he becomes their manager and he takes them on the road and and it, oh it's what is it called it's uh oh i trust you to kill me is what it's called and it's a documentary <laughs> it's actually a really good documentary because he's absolutely out of his fucking mind in it mm. and it's and, a documentary uh, yeah yeah <laughs> i don't know how much it might be staged or something but as far as i know it's real it's like the zach brown band or some shit like that it's like one of these oh, kind of wow. like you know bluesy okay. bullshit okay. you know sure yeah but anyways uh, I, I was yeah. I was going to I was going to ask I know we don't have time but We do I, have time. Well I just wrote I just wrote uh best walking into the light scenes <laughs> from movies and I had a list like Jacob's Ladder's one, right? Oh, yeah, that yeah. that scene in Jacob's Ladder, uh, uh, Kevin knows what I'm talking about. Gladiator where uh he walks in the wheat field at the yeah. end of the film. I don't love that one but it's just one I thought of. The best one for me is um and this is uh, I'm not going to say what what happens exactly because it's a spoiler but it's in Sopranos in season six there's a great uh, dream sequence that's happening uh it's a sort of entrance into heaven sort of thing, and it's absolutely brilliant so oh, cool. I love it but uh yeah, I don't know if you guys had any thoughts about <laughs> walking into the light, the tunnel i mean this one this one <laughs> doesn't know. have any good ones oh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know not nothing that I can think of off the top of my head
0: I was like thinking like what dreams may come that uh that terrible uh, Robin Williams movie. I'm sure it has something like that in
2: it. It's been forever since I've seen it.
1: I really liked that the first as when I as a kid. Oh, really? I liked it. And I don't I don't know why cuz it's it's bad.
0: Oh, okay. Mm. Heaven is for Real, that Greg Kinnear movie about the kid who went to heaven when he was like 5. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I can't uh, take a movie with that title seriously. I know. I know. <laughs> you know that was just a thought. Um even
1: if even if it is real, guys. Come on. Let's, get, let's, <laughs> yeah, let's, relax. let's calm down. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Alright, well, uh I guess ratings.
2: So I'm going with a three. Like, as ridiculous and silly as so much of it was, I actually enjoyed watching it. I thought it went by very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um I thought the performances were pretty good. But yeah, there's yeah, yeah. It's there's problems. I uh, oh.
0: I will I will give it a two and a half because I I do not like much of anything about it really, but mm. I find it to be like an impressive impressive as an artifact sort of of mm. like what Hollywood was at this time. It's just it's just such a weird uh, movie, and it looks so. Like this, the like again. This this, this stylization of it is so strange to me, and uh, all these actors being involved in a movie that's like this crazy, unhinged, stylized, style wise. Mm. You know, I I and I agree it was easy to watch. Like like all the Schumacher films we been talking about, easy except for Batman Forever, which was a, a real slog. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> everything else is pretty easy. I,
1: uh, so I I'm a two and a half also, but this is. Another just like note I wanted to bring up before we finish is uh you know again I keep saying like they miss a chance to to make something good here but I really wish that there was a movie with this like premise that actually like interrogated the arrogance and privilege of these med students and privilege is is not like a I know it's like a it's a very 2017 to 2020 thing to say uh but they like openly court it in this movie, with the racist bullying, with the non-consensual like videotaping of just like the one-night stands, and mm. and then like having a life totally without consequences after uh, fucking killing a kid. Like there's there, there is some uh, implied stuff here with like how how is uh how is Keeper Sutherland a successful med student? He should have spent his whole. Like youth in juvie, and he did gone out to be a criminal.
0: He did. He, he spent, he spent his entire life in juvie. He went to juvie, and he read medical books, man. Bullshit. He studied.
1: <laughs> he would. He wouldn't Whoa. have been accepted to a medical school. So that's bullshit. Um, and and the the remake had a chance to do this too, and it totally didn't do it at all. Um, and so that's just a bummer. I think there's there's a lot of stuff to explore here that just isn't explored.
2: Yeah, it's um And I think too like people forget how what what a kind of time the 90s were cuz like it's um like you know you you go back and you look like at look at like so much of the stuff that was going on like you look at like you know Eon Flux or like you know some of the more some of the other like more forward thinking stuff that was going on at the time and it's like you know there's Doug so- yeah uh-
0: <laughs> Rocco's Modern Life
2: oh yeah yeah no I'm sorry um, but yeah like the 90s was a wild time and I think you know like it kind of yeah I think there was a lot of like forward thinking stuff there and like yeah, like this definitely could have could have been something more along those lines uh, if it would you know had been handled by I don't know better writer, better director. Um, definitely a better writer. The yeah, writer
0: yeah, is yeah. At, at fault here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> more than I think, even more than Schumacher.
2: Right, right. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, uh, that's our show for this week. Sorry, I'm a little out of breath. I just had to get up and kill a wasp I was crawling around on my child's high chair. Um, oh, that's fun. So, okay, so JR said something a few episodes ago that's really stuck with me, which Mm. is that he hasn't liked any of the films that we've chosen for him to watch. Oh, that's right. That's right. (laughs) Or he said not in a very long time. Street continues. Right, the street continues. Exactly. (laughs) And I've been really thinking about it a lot, and I've really uh, probably put more thought into it than I should have, but I've come up with a film Mm. for our next episode it is my pick, right? I yeah. was <laughs> like giving this yeah. long massive yeah, yeah. speech for no fucking reason. No, um, I've come up with a film that I think you will enjoy or, or get something out of, Jr. Especially since you are uh, you're about to have a child, and okay. uh, this is a film that I saw before I had a child, and uh, I- I'm actually nervous to watch it now that I have one <laughs> because it's uh, it's 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 intense but um so this is a movie called Hungry Hearts directed by Severio Costanza and it stars Adam Driver and Alba Roarrocker I don't know who that is actually anyways they're the, the central couple in the film and uh it's from 2014 and I really really enjoyed it when I first watched it and I'm curious to know what we'll think of it now so that's gonna be our movie for next time Hungry Hearts have you heard of this, Jr.? have not. Never okay. heard of it. No. That's very exciting. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that's going to be our show. Until next time, uh, visit our website at filmiac.podiant.co. Uh, email us with questions or concerns at filmiacpodcast.gmail.com. at gmail.com. Uh, follow us, like us on. Uh, I was going to say Twitter, <laughs> on iTunes and Stitcher or wherever the fuck you listen to podcasts at. And uh, thanks for listening so much. And until next time, we'll see you later. Bye bye.